Hi, this is Paul Pactor, CEO at Long Island Cares, and welcome to another episode of Feed the Need, our weekly podcast where you can uh, listen to what's going on in the regional food bank and what's really happening on Long Island to a great degree. If you listen to your podcast on Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcasts, you can download Feed the Need. We update uh, episodes every Monday, new episodes, that is. And today I'm very, very excited to welcome to the show New York State Assemblywoman Kimberly Jean-Pierre. Well, great audience. They're excited that you're here. This is good. I love that. <laughs> so, Assemblywoman Jean-Pierre, welcome. We are really thrilled to have you. Uh, your district is important to Long Island Cares because uh, we have a presence with our Lindenhurst satellite. Uh, and we opened that up, as you probably remember, in 2013 at the height of uh, Superstorm Sandy when the community, the Lindenhurst community at least, was coordinating a lot of efforts in your assembly district to help uh, your constituents who were negatively impacted by the storm. I mean, people lost their houses, they lost their cars, they lost their livelihoods. And here we are, you know, almost 10 years later, and people on the south shore of Long Island are still dealing with uh, the effects of Superstorm Sandy. Uh, and we'll talk about that as we go along. But to start with, what's going on in Albany right now that uh, is making Assemblywoman Jean-Pierre work hard and get excited about serving the people in your district? Well, first, let me say thank you. Thank you for having me. Sure. And thank you for your partnership. Um, it's been a tremendous partnership. Um, and we've been able to help so many families. And mm -hmm. and I know you came during the height of Superstorm Sandy, but I want to say thank you for staying and building a home in Lindenhurst Thank and you. continue to sure. serving um, our constituents and the most vulnerable population. So I've been in office for eight years wow. and um, <laughs> I am, um, it's been quite busy eight years and it's been, you know, from Superstorm Sandy and I came after Superstorm Sandy, but just um, the ripple effects of Superstorm Sandy, yeah. helping families um, rebuild and getting in their homes and, um, food insecurities to a pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. So it's been quite busy eight years. Mm -hmm. um, and But I am excited to represent the 11th Assembly District in Albany and to make sure that, you know, that we continue to provide resources. Because I always say food insecurity, food is the most important thing. It's the nourishment of our body. Mm -hmm. um, it starts from our children in our, in our schools to ensure that they, you know, that they have, because when families have a healthy meal, mm -hmm. things go a lot better. Sure, absolutely. That's why, you know, there's so many kids on Long Island who are enrolled in the, you know, free breakfast and lunch program. Uh, and we see it every day and certainly on the weekends when our mobile units are out in the communities. But, you know, you talk about the 11th Assembly District and, you know, we, we certainly are focusing in on Lindenhurst and Copeg and Amityville. One of the things about your district that I've come to learn after being involved in the Lindenhurst community for the past nine years is the people in that community are extremely resilient. They understand what it is to come back from a difficult time to support all the members in the community, you know, the business district and the families and the schools 
and, and certainly the beautiful parks that they have in the district. And, you know, what's going on in Albany now that, that Kim Jean-Pierre is fighting for for her district, if you've got to fight at all? Definitely. So it's a fight, but yeah. um, but it's a good fight. It's a and it's a fight where we can bring a lot of my colleagues from all across the state to see how Long Island used to be considered uh, the pockets of poverty. Mm-hmm. And now we have pockets of wealth. That's right. Um, and more and more with our price of inflation of when you go to the grocery store, it's just unbelievable. Um, And to see that how families are considering and getting this and not getting that, Mm -hmm. um, stretching out that gallon of milk. Right. Um, So it's so important that we rely on our partners to make sure that we don't have families stretching and we restore funding Mm -hmm. for organizations like Long Island Cares to ensure that you are able to continue to provide your partners and to continue to ensure that the Lindenhurst satellite is filled, that when one someone walks in your door that's not scheduled to walk in your door, mm-hmm. that you're able to serve them. So those are the important things that Albany has recognized, mm-hmm. especially during this pandemic. Um, and one of the things we talk about is college students. Right. You know, there's a there's so many college students who go to college and you know, their families are not well off and food insecurity, it's something strong. And Lyndon Rosenthal ha- actually has a bill mm-hmm. that I'm a sponsor of to ensure that we look at college campuses mm-hmm. and food insecurity. So I would say those things. We've been, as you probably know, we've been active uh, around the issue of food insecurity in the colleges. We worked very closely with Nassau Community College some years ago when they were looking to establish an on campus food pantry, and they did it. It's the nest. We worked with Suffolk County Community College on establishing a similar program. And you're right. People don't, uh, you know, really think about, well, people going to college being food insecure? How could that be? Don't they have access to a cafeteria? Don't they have money? And, you know, it may not be the students that are living in the dormitories as much as it is the uh, commuting students. Because I even see that, I even saw that recently at St. Joseph's University out in uh, Patchogue, that the commuter student, you know, the a lot of them are uh, women with children heading up households. They're, they're not in their 20s, you know, they're in their 40s and they're in their 50s and they're trying to uh, carve out a new career for themselves. Uh, I happen to teach in the human service program. And you see the struggle, you hear about it. And, you know, wherever New York, you know, this has been an initiative of New York State for years now, you know, to provide the support and the funding for on-campus food pantries and to keep them stocked and working in partnership with the regional food bank. So anything you can do to uh, advance legislation like that would be very, uh, very beneficial. Let's talk about, look, we're not out of COVID 100%. Uh, we are feeling a little better about what we're doing. We're not wearing the masks. Uh, most of us have been double vaccinated and hopefully double boosted by the end of this year. But COVID has, you know, impacted the state in ways that perhaps we couldn't imagine. And interesting enough, uh, all the eyes in the early days of COVID were probably on New York State because of our former governor and the role that he played. And I think a lot of people uh, were 
sort of impacted when the governor stepped down and concerned about, well, how is all this going to continue? And I think Governor Hochul uh, has done a, a damn good job mm-hmm. keeping the state informed. And that's not a political endorsement or anything. It's just reality to have to go in and follow one of the most uh, well-known governors in the country and carve out you know, the road for yourself and help New York not skip a beat when it comes to COVID, uh, we were pretty lucky. Uh, but COVID still you know, impacted every community on Long Island, and we certainly saw it in the 11th Assembly District. Absolutely. You know, what I would say is uh, Governor Hochul was there, you know, right by our former governor's um, position side, you know, making sure, giving up to dates, going through communities, making sure vaccination Mm -hmm. sites. And, you know, some of the black and brown communities did not get its due share at first. Um, But with my colleagues and myself ensuring that we that we bring these vaccination sites to our local communities, that we 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 create language access translation. When we said stay home, we weren't translating stay home. Right. Yeah. So making sure that, you know, communities who don't speak English have access to the the languages and the information and Mm -hmm. the resources. And that's partnering with local organizations that are on the ground, such as Long Island Cares. So I think um, they did a great job. She's doing a great job. And the 11th Assembly District, you know, it's a very diverse, diverse district. It sure is, yeah. Um, And it's diverse in ethnic groups. Uh, We have one of the largest concentrated Polish communities. Mm -hmm. We have Caribbeans. We have a large Hispanic population. We have Caucasian, you know, but we also have a diverse, we have folks making less than 17,000 annually to over 100,000 yearly. Um, So it's... You said it yourself uh, at the beginning of the show. Long Island used to have pockets of poverty. And, you know, if you go back to 1979, 1985, those, you know, those decades... People will say, oh, Long Island, why do they need state aid? I mean, look look how rich the people are there. Look at those homes in the Hamptons and on the North Shore. And here we are like 40 years later, and you said it correctly. There are pockets of wealth. The majority of people on Long Island, especially the people in your district, they are struggling. And when you say there's a family who's trying to support themselves at $17,000 a year, that's less than the federal poverty level. That's right. So, you know, the question then becomes, it's incumbent upon our elected officials, you included. How do you lift people out of poverty? What kind of programs does the state have to provide? And I think it was very clear during COVID that the state, the county, the local municipalities had a lot of money coming in from Washington. And I think all of them embraced the concept, at least when it came to the American Rescue Plan or the CARE Act, They embraced the idea of investing this money in food insecurity because during COVID, everybody was food insecure, not just the 230,000 people that we see annually through the Long Island Cares Network. During COVID, the first two years of COVID, and I think I mentioned this to you in a previous conversation, the numbers went up by 230,000 people. That was 480,000 people, almost 20% of the entire Long Island population in need of food, but we got it done and we get With it done. Be- yeah. 
Why the food shortage? Not only the food shortage, okay. but the supply chain issues where right. we were waiting three months to have food, you know, brought to the regional food bank. Those things have gotten better, but still people are struggling. And if you look at our satellite locations, the Lindenhurst satellite is our second most busiest satellite location. We see on average in Lindenhurst about 1,200 people a month. That's a lot of people. Uh, who need food, who need personal care products, who need, uh, you know, pet food that, that we distribute to them as well. Uh, currently, as you know, the governor has taken a look at the issue of food insecurity in New York State and provided an additional $22 million to the Department of Health uh, to support the Hunger Prevention Nutrition Assistance Program. That is a program for the past... 35 years, Long Island Cares has administered for Nassau and Suffolk County. Uh, with the $22 million, Long Island Cares and the other nine food banks in the state each received an additional $1.8 million, with 85% of those dollars going to food purchases. My concern, and again, you and I touched on this a while ago, is that we are concerned as food banks and as food pantries that this $22 million, which was so desperately needed and advocated for uh, over the past 15 years, is not going to be included in the governor's 2023 budget. Uh, and I think it's important that we work with you and some of your colleagues in the assembly to make sure that that doesn't happen. Well, you can count on the Long Island delegation, that's for sure. Um, and I think we gotten together and mm -hmm. did something together, the Long Island delegation, about two years ago uh, for Long Island Cares. Um, so you can count on us. You know, I can't speak for everyone, but I'm going to speak for everyone I know. We get together, we talk about how do we ensure that, you know, food doesn't have a color, it doesn't have a party. Right. And, you know, it, we have to make sure that people are fed and that people are getting nutritional, the nutritional value uh, and making sure that they're not compromising, as I said, you know, the gallon of milk for something else or making sure that their children are not, are, are their lunchbox are not properly adequately mm -hmm. packed or, you know, their table, their dinner table is less than last year's dinner table. Right. Um, and these are folks who are making, and we're not talking to the folks about making 17000 nope. We're talking about the folks whose household income are still over a little over a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. I mean, to live on Long Island, to pay a mortgage, to pay your taxes. And, um, it's extremely difficult. And so we talk about our young families, our young Absolutely families, sure. our young new families. You know, I have two small children and I'm a household of two parents. Um, and we still consider like, you know, when we go to the supermarket, it's, it's quite a hefty, it's yeah. a hefty load. Absolutely is. And, for families that are struggling, it's becoming more and more difficult even to buy generic brand food. You know, we, we've heard from people at the pantries. Some of them come and they're looking for, you know, something that they can't afford, such as eggs, such as fresh produce. They're not coming and trying to fill up a complete market basket. They just need some help. And we can provide that kind of assistance. But even for us as the regional food bank, our costs have gone up about 35% in the last year uh, to purchase food. So case in point, we're coming uh, closer and closer to the Thanksgiving holiday. 
two years ago during Thanksgiving, we were able to purchase turkeys for 89 cents a pound. Then last year, the price went up to $1.19 a pound. Now it's $1.35 a pound. And if you can get them, you know, right now, believe it or not, there's a shortage of turkeys. And we've had, you know, long conversations at Long Island Cares talking about our obligation to provide families in need with a holiday meal. It's not about the turkey. It's about the meal. If we can substitute the chicken or the ham or the pork loin uh, or anything else for families, because mostly what we get when you go to buy turkeys these days are 16-pounders, and you know that for a family of two, a 16-pound turkey is unnecessary. If you can get a, you know, five-pound turkey breast, great, we're in business. But, you know, we've been struggling uh, with the cost of food as well, and that's why the additional $1.8 million that we got from TFAP uh, was so important. And, you know, it's not only helping us buy uh, more fresh produce, it's helping us buy lean proteins. Uh What's on your agenda right now? You're Right now, you're on a break, correct? Correct. We're out of session. You're out of session, and you go back, is it after Election Day, unless the governor calls an emergency session? <laughs> We're at the call of the speaker and the governor. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I've heard, you, you, know, I, you hear a little, little, you see things on Twitter, you hear things, mm-hmm. and, um, but we are scheduled to go back in January. So right now we're home in the district, meeting with our constituents, um, out in the district, out in the community. Mm-hmm. I, that's one of the best parts that I love about the job is because that's you get to see the reality of you know your district. Sure. Whereas when January to June, you're running back and forth from mm-hmm. Albany. You're touching one or two events in your district, but you're not really engaging with your district. So this is an opportunity for us to ga- engage with our constituents. What are your constituents talking about right now? I know in- inflation is on the top of the list. Uh, I know we've all seen the uh, downturn in the cost of a gallon of gas these days. I think I'm paying like three forty for yep. a gallon now. It's coming down even more. Yep, I'm glad but, we were able to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's and tremendous. That's yeah. Helping yep. helping a lot of people, especially businesses like landscapers, yep. where they need to uh, use their vehicles. Uh, but in addition to inflation, what else are you hearing? People concerned about. Well, you know, our kids went just back to school, our babies. Mm-hmm. So I just want to give a shout out to all of our kids that have a wonderful school year. Sure. Um, you know, people are changing. You know, men- you mentioned the the single mom mm-hmm. who's going back to school. We see a lot of people changing careers, um, going back to school, registering to go back to school. And we're talking about adults, parents. Mm-hmm. Um, we have small businesses who are struggling to keep the staff. Um, to retain staff. Yeah. Um, so that's an issue. Um, you know, making sure, you know, we always talk about keeping our streets safe. Um, and we talk, you know, we talk about the inflation prices everywhere you go. You know, you're getting smaller for more. Yeah. Um, so. A pound of coffee is not a pound anymore. You're <laughs> no. paying for the pound, but you're no. only getting like, uh, you know, 11 ounces or whatever. Right. So are you hearing, I mean, sort of the everyday issues that we're hearing coming up on television with the inflation, with the gun safety, with safe communities? Everyone's uh, concerned about you know, sure. keeping our streets street safe. So I, and I just hope that we can just, you know, remove a lot of the politics out of the 
conversation of keeping our streets safe, you know, we need some uniformity, you know, gun laws up mm-hmm. in all in Washington. Um, but you know, New York has one of the strictest gun laws. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, but you know, working collaboratively, that's the key, you know, working with our local inf- law enforcement, working mm-hmm. with our local groups, keeping people up to date, engaging our young folks right. with after school activities, um, with recreational activities, mm-hmm. you know, supporting the organizations, the small organizations that do so much with so little dollars. Um, I think that's key. I work with a lot of our small groups, um, working with our superintendents, mm-hmm. um, ensuring that we can keep our kids safe um, and that there's things for them to do and their parents feel comfortable, yeah. you know, when they're at work and when they get home. You know, they say that crime happens between um, three and seven, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's when kids get out of school, right. they're off the bus, they don't have nothing to do. Um, but just to make sure that, you know, that we are creating recreational, that Mm -hmm. we're supporting our public schools, we're supporting our school institutions with activities and bus shortages. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, you saw the article with, with, you know, and that's something that I'm not sure if we're going to have to go back to Albany sooner than rather to discuss what are we going to do? Our school buses, we have a huge bus shortage, bus driver shortages, um, and that's problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so there's a lot of issues to dive into. Um, you know, this past legislative session, I focused a lot of on um, housing. Um, I affordable lot, housing. I did a lot of yeah. I did a lot of legislation on not necessarily only affordable housing, but folks who are buying homes. You know, holding you know real realtors accountable mm-hmm. for persuading one ethnic group to one community. Over another community. Racial steering. Right. Something that's not new to Long Island. Right. So there's a few bills. I think they're going to start reenacting those bills, I mean, those um, requirements now through mm-hmm. brokers where they're going to have to take some cultural sensitivity training. Now there's also a um, a fee if you, if you violate human mm-hmm. rights law as a broker. And we're also looking at appraisers, you know, so they can have the same... Um, guidelines as new as the brokers the new guidelines you know biden just created an appraiser task force and hoping to do something mm-hmm. like that in new york um we, we make sure that when people move to long island wherever they decide to go you know they 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 should not be steered from one community Absolutely. over to another community and that is the cause of food insecurity that's sure. that is the cause of you know what we some people call failing school districts or mm-hmm. school districts with lack of resources because we're we're not creating that melting pot. We're so segre- we're one of the most segregated counties we are in the United States, and, and some of it has been done uh, conscientiously mm-hmm. over the years. And you mentioned early on as we started to talk the whole concept of diversity, inclusion, and equity which is also now a a very big priority of Feeding America, which Long Island Cares is a member of. And if I look at our satellite locations and see the diverse people who come to visit us, uh, it's really high time that Long Island did something right when it comes to diversity. There's no doubt people need to know that by 2025, the largest concentration in terms of our population on Long Island will be people 
with uh, Hispanic backgrounds. And right. so middle-class uh, white families are no longer the prominent demographic for Long Island. And you can fight this, you know, for as long as you want by, you know, creating 124 school districts and, you know, steering people in housing. But you're not going to win the battle because the nation and the world has to change at some time. And I know that Long Island has invested for years in keeping it segregated. I think we're number nine in the entire country in terms of the most segregated regions. Uh, but look, these are issues that need to be addressed. And I think people have to have a great deal of uh, confidence in your ability uh, to address these issues and get things done. Kim, that is not that has nothing to do with you. <laughs> I promise. I apologize. Uh, that basically is uh, our producers telling us the time is uh, come to uh, shut down the broadcast. What can I tell you? But I really hope to have you back again, and maybe right after the new session, so we can talk about what's happening it. and see how much progress you and your colleagues here on Long Island have made with the $22 million being made permanent. And uh, it's been a pleasure to welcome you. We are so lucky and fortunate to have New York State Assemblywoman Kimberly Jean-Pierre with us uh, for this episode of Feed the Need. Uh, she is such an important part of the fabric of Long Island. Eight years in the State Assembly, fighting for the needs of her constituents in the 11th District. It really is a pleasure to have you enjoy uh, enjoy the campaign trail. I know you're out there knocking on doors and going to events and stuff like that. But we look forward to seeing you uh, through the course of the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Sure. Sure.